This is Sid Roth saying, Shalom Mishpacha. Mishpacha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpacha, the family with a Jewish heart. Welcome to today's edition of Messianic Vision and another appointment for you to be mentored to fulfill your destiny with one of our It's Supernatural guests. And now, here's your host for this program, It's Supernatural television producer, Ryan Bruss. Thank you, Sid. Today on Messianic Vision, our guest is Lori Ditto. And Lori has a powerful ministry, powerful testimony of a life that was forever changed as she experienced in supernatural visions and encounters with Jesus, with heaven, and with hell. And I'm going to tell you right now, this resource that we're offering, the three CD set, Encountering Heaven, the parts that she talks about are heaven are, are wonderful. I mean, they they really lifted my spirit and I enjoyed them. They were wonderful. But in contrast to that, the whole uh, supernatural vision of hell and what she experienced in hell, will I promise you, will change your life forever. It will really challenge you to live holy and pure and clean before God, which is one of Sid's uh, uh, passions to come across on its supernatural is, is for people to, Christians, to live uh, a pure before God. So, Laurie, thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. In, in 2000, in the year 2000, you were saved uh, at International House of Prayer, IHOP. We've had Mike Bickle on the show before. And, and uh, briefly tell us how you ended up at IHOP and, and in this prayer room. Tell that part of the story first. Okay. Well, I, I, I was in Michigan. I'm from, I was from Michigan at that time. And um, my life was falling apart. I was, I was on medication for... Um, suicide thoughts and I was just really struggling in depression my my marriage was falling apart and somehow a postcard came to my home which in itself is remarkable but a postcard came to my house advertising a uh, a women's conference at the International House of Prayer and when I touched that postcard uh, I knew I have to go here so uh, you know, that in itself, how does that work? But I just knew I had to go there, that, that that something amazing was waiting for me. And that was probably the first real hope that had entered into my heart. So I um, I ended up at the International House of Prayer. And when I got there, the prayer room isn't the prayer room that they have now. The prayer room back then was inside some trailers. And I walked in kind of like, what is this? But when I walked in there, I saw all kinds of people worshiping God in different ways that I thought was very strange. Because you, your background in church and uh, in, in Christianity, you weren't really used to that kind of thing. No, I'd never, I'd never raised my hands in worship. You know, I um, never just talked to God, that kind of stuff. It was, it was you know, I, I, I prayed prayers that uh, were memorized prayers. I prayed those prayers, and that's how I thought you talked to God. So to see people worshiping God in a unique way was very new to me. So the first thing that happened was I, um, I went to sit down by someone that I thought seemed very normal. Now, you have to understand, I had never experienced this before, and it's real easy to put a judgment on something that you've never seen before. All of a sudden, this lady starts 
uh, now I know, talking in tongues. She's praying in tongues. And that just really, something had happened in my childhood that had really given me a, you know, what is that? And um, so I, 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 I heard God. He asked me, what do you want? And when you hear him, you know that it's him. And, and even though it sounds strange, I heard God. When it happens, it's like, yeah, that's what God sounds like. So I heard him, and he asked, what do you want? And I said, I want to know if that's real, that if it's real, I want it. And if it's not real, I want you to make her stop. And then next thing you know, I'm singing in tongues. I know that messes with my theology, that uh, how could God do that? But he did it. And once I was speaking in tongues, I felt something I'd never felt before. And there's, there's no way to explain a joy that it was touching everything. And, and it was one of those, it was like an addiction, something that I want, I want that. I needed that. I wanted it. And, and it was worthwhile to whatever it was you had to do to keep it. That's what I wanted. Mm. And so I left. The House of Prayer came back, um, dropped off my suitcase, came back, and went back into the prayer room, thinking that this time, when the Lord asked me, what do you want? I'm going to ask him for, for, for three things. I'm going to ask him for a, a log cabin, um, <laughs> Superior, that's where I'm from, or uh, two four-wheel drive vehicles. Because my last name's Ditto, somehow I thought that entitled me to two four-wheel drive vehicles. That's funny. And world peace, because somebody should ask God for world peace. But while I waited and waited and waited, and the same thing didn't happen— I was trying to figure out maybe I wasted one of my wishes to God on wanting to know is that gift of tongues real. So I I thought, okay, if I have to give up one of my wishes, I'm going to give up world peace because other people should ask for that. Somebody else should ask for that. <laughs> and while I was sitting there angry, Ryan, all of a sudden I was whisked away into heaven and it's it was, it's so beautiful. And um, when you're there, you you really like who you are when you're in heaven. You really like that you're there. You really like who you are. And as I looked, the first thing that I saw was the man, Jesus Christ. I knew that it was him. Um, you just, you know everything while you're there. Your whole brain is working. I knew that it was him. He was standing in a very large archway, very tall archway. And he was so happy that I was there. If you've ever walked into a room wondering, do I fit in here? Uh, you know, do I have a friend here? And you, you're kind of looking around for like a safe place. When, when I got to heaven, it is the safest place and Jesus was so happy that I was there, and I felt that immediately. I felt that uh, his joy for me being there just had increased this newfound joy that I had, as if I never thought it could increase. But there it was, this increase in feeling like you belong and feeling wanted. And so there it was, and I saw him, and he, uh, there's no language for this, so bear with me. He tried to, he, he turned himself up. He wanted me to see him as he as he is, and so he turned himself up, for lack of a better understanding, like a dimmer switch on a light. He went so bright. He is 
And I knew he's the source of all light. And the brighter that he got, I mean, he's magnificent. And the brightness caused my eyes to start to water, and then it was just too bright, and I had to shut my eyes. And uh, Jesus does, he wants us to be able to see him. And so I think because of how unholy I was at the time, he had to turn himself very down because I, I just couldn't behold more of him. But as he stood there and looked at me, he, as, he was, as he was light, he looked like, and there's, there isn't, there, this doesn't exist, so there's a problem trying to explain it, except it exists in him if my words would give it justice. He looks like a man made out of diamonds. Mm, wow. One huge glass cut, brilliant diamond that shoots every color light. And there's light in heaven that's different colors than here on the earth. Or if I could explain him using a man that's made out of water, if you could make water stand still, it's he's like that. You can look through and you, you there's nothing more beautiful to look at than than him. And the seeing him made me, uh, I was just so drawn to him. There was, there's nothing else I'd rather look at. There's nowhere else I'd rather be than to just stand and look at who he is. And he was smiling at me. But at the same time, you knew he was after something. Yes, yes. He said to me, and I don't know that, I don't know that it's with words or with his, um, the understanding, but I knew he was talking to me, and he he said, "Give me that." And he reached out his hand as if he would take something, and I noticed there were marks, uh, wounds like uh, healed healed wounds on his wrists. And for me, I was thinking, "How can those be there?" That that's not where I thought they should belong. But he didn't stop me, Ryan. He didn't say, "Laura, your theology is all wrong. Get out of here." He just he. He wanted something from me, and I, I understood he wanted whatever was hurting me, whatever was bad, but I, I just said no. I looked down, I said no, and he, I thought, you know. Now, did you know what he wanted from you at that point? The only thing that I could think of, I mean, here I was, depressed, suicidal, a woman with so much sin in my life. The only thing I could think of was cigarettes, because I was smoking three and a half packs of cigarettes at that time. And after I said no, I kept waiting, waiting, waiting. And when I looked up, there he was, God, smiling at me. And when he took a step closer to me, everything around begins to move and shake. When he moves, everything moves. And um, the closer he gets the closer he moved to me, the faster my heart started beating. You know, God moving closer to us is exactly what we need. It's just it's just the answer for God to move closer. Mm. So, you know, he wanted that. He showed me a room that was right next door. Uh, and there's, there was no doorway there. There were just entrances. And this entrance to this room had archway windows in it. And it was a room wrapped with presents. It, it had as many presents as would fit in the room, big ones, small ones. Uh, every color wrapping paper was the presents were in there wrapped. And he wanted me to, 
to um, understand that that was my room, that he had prepared all of those gifts in that room for me. And I knew that there were several gifts in there for every day of my life and many gifts that I hadn't, hadn't opened. And uh, he told me that the gifts that are in the room, there's things I want to give you and things I need to take away. And it was very confusing to me. Why would God need to take anything away from us? Now, let me ask you, Lori, it's, it's not in your book or your teaching. And, and I thought of this when I read your uh, powerful book. Uh, just a side note. Do you believe that Jesus was showing you something uh, literal uh, with the presence or uh, more metaphorical? In other words, uh, do you really believe that God has gifts for each one of us here on earth to open every day? Yes. Wow. I believe I believe it's very literal. Uh, some gifts are, you know, an encounter with a person. Wow. Your new best friend. Some things are uh, a gift of a of a car starter. You know, an electric car or one of those automatic car starters. God has as many good gifts. He's such a good father. Wow, that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, it's very exciting. Okay, so you're standing there, you're looking at all these presents. Some, some are for you uh, to receive, and some are are for you to give to the Lord. So, what happened next? Well, some are for me to receive, and some are things that when I open it, He's going to take something away. Mm. If that makes sense. Yes. Like so, that was that's why it was a little bit confusing. But so then He asked a second time, "Give me that." And I, I, now I was thinking about cigarette smoking, and I thought if I give him that, uh, you know, in my understanding, I'm going to get fat. I don't want to get fat because, you know, what will happen if that would happen to me? My husband would leave me. You know, all these crazy thoughts were in my head that were absolutely wrong. But it was all that I could think. So I said no a second time, look down waited a long time before I looked up what seemed like such a long time. And when I looked up, he was still smiling. And he took another step closer to me and everything started moving again. And my heart was beating so much faster, like you're riding on a roller coaster. It was just amazing. And then he turned into, like I said, that man made out of water. And he wanted me to watch something that was happening inside of him in spite of his life. And that's when I saw the Lord dancing. He was doing a beautiful dance with a, a woman. She was his bride. And uh, he did a very special dance. I watched and watched and watched. And I watched her dress and I watched I watched how he turned and how he looked at her. And what I what I loved was first when she was not looking at him, this darkness would take its try and take um, ground to, to touch her dress or to try and get close to her. And his eyes were this extremely serious fire. Whether she understood it or not, he, his protection over her is secure, and he, he was watching it. He was keeping that darkness at bay. And the other thing that I love so much was as that woman turned and looked at him, there was a, a, a fire in his eyes for love. He loved her so much that it just, it hurt me. It hurt me to watch him dance with this woman. Because you wanted to experience that same thing? 
I wanted to be her in the worst mm. way. I wanted that for myself. And it was almost like as soon as I understood what, why I was hurting, what, what, did I, what did I want? What did I need? That's when I realized that the girl was dancing barefoot and the feet on that woman are my feet. And it brought this new explosion of joy to realize that the woman that God is so in love with, now I, didn't, I don't look like her yet, but I'm going to. He's going to complete this work. I'm going to look like her. And as I realized the woman that he was so in love with, that he was keeping darkness at bay, that, that his eyes are for this woman when I realized it was me. Oh, my goodness. It was like everything in my life changed. Whatever you want, Jesus. You know, this, give me that. I, I was like, whatever you want. And the, the, he turned, he was, I, I was not just watching this movie or whatever I want to, whatever it was inside of him. I, I wanted to give him everything. And so as I moved closer to him, my forehead touched his forehead. And he held me, but his forehead was touching my forehead. And he would breathe, Ryan. He'd breathe in and out. And I caught myself breathing in his out, if that makes any yes. sense. It's like that breath that he breathes out is life for me. I want that. And while he had his head to my head, he started changing what I think about me. Mm. And I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He likes the chin that he designed for me. And he likes the length of my fingers. You know, he, he specifically chose these things for me. And they're wonderful. And as soon as I started, I mean, you can't not agree with him because he's always right. right. Started rewriting. He rewrote my own thoughts about myself. He rewrote my own identity for me. And and I realized in that minute, I'm his absolute favorite. That's who I am. I, the Lord loves me. I am number one to him. Why wouldn't I put on that title of being, I'm, an, I'm number one to the Lord, and I wanted it, I needed it. When he, you know, he was only trying to take away, that's one of those gifts. The first gift that he gave me was to take away all the pain and the wrong identity and, and all of the hurtful things that I believed about myself. He took all of that away. And he changed me. And I understand that after this encounter, you were no longer suicidal, no more medicine, no more cigarettes, no more depression. You felt loved and whole on the inside. <laughs> Absolutely. Everything you said is true. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it changed my personality. My, when I went home, my husband did not know the woman who came home. Wow. Wow. You know, he liked a lot of the things about it, but he wasn't sure about this whole sold out for Jesus. <laughs> which which you really go into that in the book, and, and boy, time is flying. And before we go to break, though, let me ask you this, because after the break, we're going to start talking about the uh, intense encounter you had in hell. So uh, just to wrap this part up, and in the CD set, you talk about many more of your experiences uh, in heaven that you've had, but 
Um, let me ask you this, uh, that, that feeling that you felt being with Jesus and the forehead to forehead and breathing in and out, and it changed you from the inside out, it changed your personality. Uh, how does somebody that's listening right now, how do they begin to find the Lord in that way? You know, there could be a mom of three kids, a, a father, a husband, just trying to make ends meet every day or a businessman. How do, does each and every one of us begin to get that close to the Lord so he changes us from the inside out? Right. If I, I guess if I could, if I would have had some knowledge ahead of time to not drag my feet with the Lord, I think I would have, what would have helped me is if I would have known you can trust him absolutely, completely, that he has never done any of the the things that would hurt you. That's not him. You can absolutely trust him. You can, if you knew that you knew that God was very patient, that he's for you, that he's very mighty to save you, to bring you to himself. If you, if I could have entered it realizing that my, my enemy was fear against God and so much doubt about myself to believe and agree with him, what he thinks about us. And the concept that, you know, each and every one of us is his favorite. It's not just my title. That's the title he gives to each and every one of us to realize that the, that the, uh, difficulty that we have in believing that we're God's favorite actually is is showing us the the distance between him and us. And if we're willing to just say, God, I give you that, take that away. Amen. I think we can open up our hearts a little bit, even if it's just a wedge, Jesus will come rushing in with his light and his life and all that love. And Jesus wants us to know that I'm his favorite. I love that, Laurie, and that, that makes total sense to me. Just take one step towards the Lord, as the Bible says, draw near to God, and he will mightily and lovingly draw near to you. When we come back, we're going to have Lori share about one of the most uh, powerful, intense, sobering encounters I've ever heard about hell. We'll be right back. Call now to get Lori Ditto's brand new book, The Hell Conspiracy, and her anointed three-part audio CD teaching set, Encountering Heaven. This is an exclusive offer for our It's Supernatural audience. Yours for a donation of $35. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9603. Lori's brand new book, The Hell Conspiracy, is an eyewitness account of hell, heaven, and the afterlife. She shares harrowing accounts of souls enduring endless torture and eternal separation from God. It also reveals the five pains of hell, water, bone marrow, breath, agreement, and the garment, the activity and agenda of demons, the connection between unforgiveness and eternal torment, the ultimate destination and fate of the condemned, the changing shape of people's bodies in hell. But this book is also a beacon of hope. These horrors are contrasted with the glorious hope of heaven. As you read about Lori's supernatural open vision of heaven, you will also receive her exclusive three-part audio CD set, Encountering Heaven. In this anointed CD set, Lori details her supernatural visions of heaven and the kingdom principles God taught her through these experiences. Better understand heaven and how it works. Learn the ways you can align your moment-by-moment -moment walk with God's powerful presence 
presence in your life. Understand that God's greatest desire is for you to join Him in heaven. Discover that your Heavenly Father is like Jesus in character. He is loving, compassionate, and embracing. He is a good Father. Learn how you can position yourself to have your own heavenly encounters. Heaven is so amazing to know that you're standing in the presence of Jesus in your eternal home just does something to you and it makes you homesick. If you know someone that doesn't know the Messiah and they read the hell conspiracy, they're not going to end up in hell either. Don't miss out on getting Lori Ditto's brand new book, The Hell Conspiracy, and her anointed three-part audio CD teaching set, Encountering Heaven. This is an exclusive offer for our It's Supernatural audience. Yours for a donation of $35. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9603. Call or you can send your check to Sid Roth. It's Supernatural. P.O. Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina 28278. Please specify offer number 9603 or log on to SidRoth.org. Call or write today. We're back with Lori Ditto, and we just heard a wonderful encounter of how Lori spent time with Jesus in heaven. And again, in her CD set, she talks about uh, many more of those encounters that she's had in heaven. And uh, I hope your heart was really stirred and moved by that because uh, every one of us needs to draw closer to the Lord, no matter what kind of walk you have with him right now. And, and Lori, in 2008, uh, you had what you are defined as one of the most intense encounters you've ever had. Uh, what happened as you were at the International House of Prayer? Um, so the I, we were in a prayer meeting, an evangelism prayer meeting, and uh, the front of the room there's became two realities. I could see the current reality, and then I could see um, a new reality, and it was... Uh, the gates of hell. And they swung open into the room. And then as you looked into hell, it was, it was horrific. It was, it was dark. You could see black flame dancing. You could see these massive doors. You could smell this gut-wrenching, make-you-want-to-vomit smell. And um, it was just that there were sounds coming out of there, just uh, ear-deafening, uh, terrible screams coming out of there. And as quickly as it swung open, a hand—I call it a hand because it had that str- it had strength of a hand. Uh, maybe a better description would be a dart, like a like anyway, a dart came in it, and it grabbed me right in the center, and it quickly pulled me into the pulled me into hell and as it was pulling me I was trying very hard to uh, throw my body backwards so that I would hit the ground uh, to stop the force that was bringing me but the but the hand that reached in to grab me was much stronger than me and it pulled me in and the door slammed shut behind me and I knew instantly three things I knew I was in hell eternally for unforgiveness. Wow. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that later, uh, the, you know, the, the reasons for being in hell. But go ahead. What were the other two reasons, the other two thoughts? Um, so 
as far as finding myself there, I was thinking there must be some kind of mistake because I'm a, you know, I'm a, a born again believer. Uh, there must be some sort of mistake. And as I was trying to get my bearings, looking around, I realized that I was inside of a tear-shaped uh, prison. It was it was a tear shape, and there were other people trapped inside of other tears, suspended. We were suspended over top of a a bubbling sea. Um, and different people were at different lengths closer to the this bubbling liquid. Uh, I was higher than many, not as high as many, and knew instantly, I wish I wasn't here. And uh, almost, almost instantly, as soon as I was recognizing my place, the, the Word of God, the understanding of the Bible was, I was filled with the understanding of the righteousness of God and how righteous it was that I was there. The scripture that I knew very, very well was all of Matthew 18, the understanding of how righteous it was that I was in hell. And I was there because of the unforgiveness that I had, I had all in my life. And it, it was devastating. You know, Ryan, I, I will never be guilty of exaggerating hell because there aren't any words to exaggerate how terrible it is. So the best that I can do is still nothing compared to the to the horror that is there in hell. And Lori, in your book, uh, you're very descriptive, uh, more than what you can be here or on. It's supernatural, and we appreciate the detail that you did give. Uh, but if I could jump to something very unique that happened, as you remembered the scripture, but you also remembered everything wrong that was done to you and that you had done. You remembered every single moment. Yes, it was. Um, these sins entered into this, uh, into this cell. And the first stacks of sins, um, the memory of them, and they, they, they were alive. And the sins that I had been done, that sins had been done to me, were there, and if I had only forgiven them, I knew, I knew I should forgive. I, I, I wasn't new to that concept, so, um, but, but the sins that people had done to me, if I had only forgiven those people, if I'd separated myself from that, that whole stack of sins would not have been mine, and, and or had life, but because I didn't forgive people, those sins were still tied to me. And um, in my life, they were still tied to my life. But the stacks of sins, you know, I think I always thought that I was, I was, I was a good person. Um, you know, I do a lot of good things. And, but, but the stack of sins that I had done, in comparison to the stack of sins that had been done to me, there's no comparison. And to process my 
um, like not being patient because in heaven, Jesus is very, very patient with us. And on the earth, he's very patient with us. But, you know, my impatience and memory after memory, you know, I have, I have two beautiful daughters and when they were little girls, I would just get so angry for no reason. And and the impatience that I had with them and giving them a bath or trying to get them in their car seat, those are ones that are still very vivid to me now of, and God knew, and he watched it, and he counted that as as sin. But but most people don't look at those kind of things. You think of adultery, pornography, murder, anger, but we don't realize, right, Lori, that there's a lot of other things that we're doing or not doing that need to be known as sin and things that hurt the Lord. Right, right. I, you know, I had never... I'd never paid any attention to that. And I think, Ryan, for me, it was that I bought into this thing. I'm a really good person. And I was comparing myself to, you know, lesser people around me Mm. instead of reaching high and getting a vision of how God treats me. And that's how he wants me to treat other people. That's the way to live. Now I know that. But when I was in hell, the the hardest one for me to process was the impatience, I, and I and I processed them. But you know, because because Jesus had shown such mercy and compassion and patience with me, how could I be so impatient with people? You know, just that instant anger when you're driving down the road and. Somebody's not doing something right in front of you, as if I'm always the best driver. Right. Just that instant anger. And where does that come from? And why is that alive in me? And and so, you know, I I, I I know now what it is, and I don't want any of it in my life because those are hellish principles. Those things belong in hell. So like I asked you earlier in the last segment, in, in direct contrast to the other question I asked you, so how how do we begin to move? Uh, is, is it drawing closer to the Lord? How do we begin to recognize, hey, 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 that doesn't please the Lord. What That, that thing over there, that that's sin. How do we begin to have more of an awareness, not that we walk around sin conscious, because you don't make that point at all in your book, uh, in teaching, but how do we understand, uh, begin to understand the reality of how we're really treating others and living on this earth? You know, when I, when I came back, one of the things that, I mean, I, I really had to, I, I had, I want the answer to that. And I really had to try and figure out and I think the first step for me was to truly sit down with the Lord and take account of what is repentance and to be sure that I was actually giving to God repentance and not bringing him something that's just, I'm sorry, God. You know, so I think God wants to make us pure. He wants to help us. That's, you know, that's his heart. And if we're willing to sit there and and, and view with God our lives and, and take responsibility and ownership of what we've done and let him show us a new way. It didn't, I didn't stop being impatient instantly. Okay, I appreciate you saying that. So what, what did you have to do to backtrack out of that, uh, understanding that that, you know, was a sin? 
Right. First, first, you know, I think the knowledge of the fear of the Lord. Right. Realizing that he's he's watching. Right. And and all these little things matter. Then each day now what I do is probably almost I mean, I would say 300 days out of 365 I remember at night and I ask the Lord, how did I do today? And he's very faithful to bring to my mind times and situations of things that I where I've hurt people and I've I've done the wrong thing and and I confess that to him as sin and I ask for his help and and he's very good at showing me and helping me. And so with his help I'm becoming much more patient than I've ever been. Much more like Jesus. Yeah, yeah. It takes him so that I can become like him. That's absolutely right, Ryan. That's good. Let me let me just backtrack for a moment because uh, obviously uh, people need to read your book to get the full description or the best that you could describe it. If I could backtrack for a moment, if you could please give a snapshot to the people at home that are listening of that the literal torment that you felt because even, but this is so powerful. I mean, I feel the Lord even on this, even in hell to have any sort of relief is a blessing or, or a privilege. And there's no privilege. There's none of that in hell. There's no comfort. So please give us a snapshot of what the torment, because you literally felt it of the torment, the smell, the fire, all, all those things to the best, just in a snapshot. Yeah. You know, you can't, I'm sorry, you can't understand what it's like to be so afraid. And you're not allowed to shut your eyes in hell to relieve any of that fear because that's what hell is. And so my eyes were burned open. And um, I tried to curl up in a ball to try and stop these wicked flames from burning me, but you can't, that that's a form of relief. So you're never going to sleep there. You're never going to think a happy thought there. Those are gone. You're, you're always going to, um, you're always going to smell the smell that makes you sick. You're, you're going to breathe in this fire that's hurting. It's hurting you when you breathe it in. Um, the sins that come back to you, actually, there's no way to explain this. They jump on you, and they, they, they're, they're, they're like a cancer. And I, I've never had cancer, so I don't know. But it's very painful, and it starts morphing you into sin. And so your, your ears to hear the people screaming all the time is so unnerving, and it's you know, you just wish it was a minute ago because every single second in hell is getting worse, and you don't want to. You don't. You don't want time to move forward in hell because there's more and more pain. I tried to keep. I tried to keep my skin on my body because it was dripping off. It's so painful there. There's no water. There's no light. You can't get to another person. You know, if you could just get to another person, maybe you could hug them and at least a part of your body would be protected from hell. And then to know that it's never going to stop was, I mean, it, there's no way to explain how terrible this place 
God created for, for Satan, how, how terrible it is because he never wanted, he never wanted his people there. And when I was there, I was, I could recall Jesus and, and his goodness. And then even that started to slip away because knowing God, even just knowing God is a form of comfort and relief. And then I was filled with remorse and hate. I've never hated like I hated while I was in hell. And it was, it is worse than anything I can tell about. And God doesn't want any of us there, Ryan. It's, it's not for us. But sin has a lot of power. And we need to wage a war against sin in our life and for our families and for our neighborhoods. We really, if we knew how, if we knew how wonderful heaven is, we'd set everything there to go there. And if we knew how terrible hell is, we would be fighting every minute to be sure that not one part of us goes there. Not, not, not one part of any of our friends or family would ever see hell because it's worse than anything that I can tell you for your body to twist and turn and contort and break. I felt my back break in hell and it was, you still feel everything. It's not like anything is taken away and, and, and it's never going to be taken away and it's never ever going to end. It's always going to get worse. And the pain is, is unthinkable. I mean, it, I've never been in, and you think that at one point you're in so much pain that it should stop. Like you're going to pass out or you're going to, it's, it's going to end. Like you could die. You know, you think, oh, at some point you're going to die. But that is what that death is, is all of that pain being separated from God. And it's, Jesus has done such a powerful work that none of us ever have to experience that if we will obey if we'll just obey, if we'll love him and just do it his way. It's it's very tragic that I went there, and it will always be for me first a correction. Everything that I'm telling you is is was a gift for me that I that I'll understand it that I won't that I won't ever go there again. And if it helps somebody else, then it's worth sharing that because. God doesn't want anyone in hell. I don't want anyone in hell, but more importantly, you know, God doesn't want anyone in hell. And if it helps, then then we'll tell that. I told you that this show would be sobering. And, uh, you know, when you read Lori's account in her book, you understand just a little bit uh, better of what hell is like and a place that you don't want to go. You don't want your friends to go, your family. You'll do everything you can to resist uh, the devil, resist sin. And, and a very, very important thing. I talked to Lori on the phone several weeks ago uh, because I do a lot of evangelism. I said, Lori, uh, what do you say to people who, who say, uh, how does a good God send people to hell? And Lori turned around and said, no, 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 no. It's how can people turn their back on a good God? So let that sink in as we come back and talk a little bit more of the lessons that Lori learned while she was in hell. We'll be right back. 
is worse than anything that I can give you words for. And even Jesus told us that there would be weeping and gnashing of teeth, and God doesn't want us there. Call now to get Lori Ditto's brand new book, The Hell Conspiracy, and her anointed three-part audio CD teaching set, Encountering Heaven. This is an exclusive offer for our It's Supernatural audience. Yours for a donation of $35. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9603. Lori's brand new book, The Hell Conspiracy is an eyewitness account of hell, heaven, and the afterlife. She shares harrowing accounts of souls enduring endless torture and eternal separation from God. It also reveals the five pains of hell, water, bone marrow, breath, agreement, and the garment, the activity and agenda of demons, the connection between unforgiveness and eternal torment, the ultimate destination and fate of the condemned, the changing shape of people's bodies in hell, but this book is also a beacon of hope. These horrors are contrasted with the glorious hope of heaven. As you read about Lori's supernatural open vision of heaven, you will also receive her exclusive three-part audio CD set, Encountering Heaven. In this anointed CD set, Lori details her supernatural visions of heaven and the kingdom principles God taught her through these experiences. Better understand heaven and how it works. Learn the ways you can align your moment-by-moment -moment walk with God's powerful presence in your life. Understand that God's greatest desire is for you to join Him in heaven. Discover that your Heavenly Father is like Jesus in character. He is loving, compassionate, and embracing. He is a good Father. Learn how you can position yourself to have your own heavenly encounters. Heaven is so amazing. There are colors in heaven that are not on the earth. There's experiences in heaven that we just can't get to here because to know that you're standing in the presence of Jesus in your eternal home just does something to you and it makes you homesick. This book, I believe, has a presence of God for the Christian to walk as God intended you to walk. And if you know someone that doesn't know the Messiah and they read the hell conspiracy, they're not going to end up in hell either. If you've ever ordered anything from us before or never have, this is the one you better order. Don't miss out on getting Lori Ditto's brand new book, The Hell Conspiracy, and her anointed three-part audio CD teaching set, Encountering Heaven. This is an exclusive offer for our It's Supernatural audience. Yours for a donation of $35. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9603. Call or you can send your check to Sid Roth. It's Supernatural. P.O. Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina 28278. Please specify offer number 9603 or log on to SidRoth.org. Call or write today. We're back with Lori Ditto, and I'm telling you, my, you know, I'm holding back the tears myself because I just, I, I just feel the intensity of the presence of the Lord and that what He saved us from is, is, you know, we should all go find a place and pray uh, right now. But uh, uh, this is our last segment, and I want you to hear a little more about. Uh, uh, her experience in hell and then the after effect. And, and uh, Laura, you, you, in your book, you say that hell is expanding. Why is that? You know, there's, there's coming to the church a great falling away. And when the Lord comes back, and I think that's soon, but when the Lord comes back, multitudes of people are going to go there 
and hell is expanding. When I was there, it was, it's, it's, God is, is making it bigger to be able to accommodate the amount of objects of his affection that are choosing that place. And, you know, right now, I'm, I'm sorry to be emotional, but I got to come out. You know, Ryan, I'm not there anymore. Hallelujah. There are people in hell that will never, ever get out. And one minute, one second after you die, you're going to know how you should have lived. And, you know, no regrets. It's like live with fixing things and making things right. And because once you're there, there, there I don't know why I got a second chance. But once you're there, you're there. And, you know, there were other people there, just like me, who believed in Jesus and knew Jesus, but they wouldn't obey him, just like me. So you're saying that people who call themselves Christians on earth are in hell? Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, we are supposed to walk out our salvation with fear and trembling. The Lord says, if you love me, you will obey me. And there's a point where you're not going to turn back. You've become like the Pharaoh with a hard heart. You, you're, not, you're just not going to obey Jesus. And the scriptures that say, you know, there'll be people in that day that say, Lord, Lord, didn't I perform miracles in right. your name? That's who I was talking about. Yes, ma'am. And uh, he says, depart from me. Then he calls you something, you worker of iniquity. I mean, I, I, I look at that scripture and I'm like, Lord, who are those people? And then I found out it was me. I'm, I was that one, that worker of iniquity. I, I had a form of godliness, the Bible talks about, but I denied the power of God. I, I, I'm going to do it my way. And yeah, yeah, I hear you, Lord, but, you know, that's for somebody else. That level of obedience is for somebody else. And there are people in hell I knew that were somehow related to me mm. in, a, in a deeper way than just we're all related to Adam and Eve. And, you know, to know that, to know that there are people there that won't be in heaven with us is so heartbreaking and it's, it's so unnecessary for everyone who knows Jesus that's surrendered to him. You know, it's, again, it comes back to that repentant lifestyle and uh, understanding what repentance is, you know, for my own life. I'm an evangelist too. I know the four, what it means. First, you have to, first, you have to agree with God that sin is sin. And then second, you have to feel godly sorrow for that sin. And we should feel godly sorrow for for other people in sin. And godly sorrow is so deeper. It it, it has to be fixed. Godly sorrow, you have to fix it. That's how you know that you have it. You'll do anything to fix it. Mm. And it's so much deeper than just, I'm sorry. Godly sorrow demands in my life that I fix it. And then it leads to step number three, you fix it. You know, you have to go to the person and talk to them and 
and explain to them, I sinned against you, and I, I sinned against you, I sinned against God. And then you put something in place that you're never going to do it again. And, you know, maybe, maybe the number four, maybe the something that you put in place didn't work. So then you, you think of something new, something better, something stronger to put there, and, and you ask God for his help. I never, I take, I, 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 I'm not going to tell you that I never sin, but since going to hell, I, 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 I don't sin as much as I ever used to. And when I do sin, you know, that night when the Lord checks me, it's like, Lord, you sinned. This is what you did. I'm like, Lord, help me. I get up right away. I'll send an email. Hey, I need to see you tomorrow. I got to fix something. I'll send a quick text. Can I see you tomorrow? If it happens that I've sinned against Mike or uh, one of my daughters, I wake Mike up. You know, honey, let me talk to you because it's so important that we understand that sin separates us from God. And I'm a believer in Jesus, and I'm not I'm not trying to I'm not trying to say you don't have assurance of salvation. We know that Jesus is merciful and will forgive us. But if we won't repent, then there, there is no other cure for sin. The only cure for sin is the blood of Christ. And people in hell, we mocked. We mocked that blood. We, we decided that that wasn't, that wasn't what we wanted or needed, because along with the blood of Christ, comes obedience. And along that line, Lori, you you knew that you knew firsthand that the term once saved, always saved is an absolute lie. Yes. Yes. I knew it there. You know, I maybe I believed it a little bit. Maybe I wanted it to be true for some people who are stuck in some sin, the kind that you don't want to confront somebody about, you know. But in hell, I knew I knew once saved, always saved. The the creation, I think, of that lie was right there in hell. Mm. I I think that Satan is so pleased to hurt God by taking all the objects of affection that Jesus has made and trapping them in hell, separating us, letting us grow in great pride against God, just like what Satan did. All this pride against God. You know, salvation, on the day that Jesus saved me, he wiped away every sin that I had ever done, and he gave me the ability to come to him and take care of every sin that I would do. But the lie is that on the day that you were saved, every sin in your past is gone, and every sin that you're ever going to do is gone. It doesn't matter. Live however you want. That's, that's a lie. That's just not true. What is true is that sin still separates people from hearing God. It's as if every time you sin, Ryan, you turn down the volume of the Lord. Mm. Soon you can't hear him at all. And you don't know what he wants. And the more quiet he is, the less we care. And so that's where I was. And that's where the people that are in hell who called Jesus their Savior do I think that he had saved them? Yes, because I think he saved me. Do I think that they've walked away from God, spit on their salvation, disrespected it, 
said it's not important, not with that kind of words, but their actions sure did. My actions did. And when, when God saved me and brought me back, I never want to do anything that would stand against Jesus. He loves me. He wants what's best for me. He's made a place for me in heaven right there with him. I want that place. And so every day is really serious for me. And I never joke about hell. And, and I stop people when I hear people, grocery store or whatever, say to somebody, go to hell. I stop them. I get in their face. Do you know what you just said? Wow. And, you know, they say, Lori, you're over the top. Maybe I am, but I care. I love people. I care that everyone understands hell is a real place. And let me ask you this, Lori. Um, the Bible says that if you don't forgive people their sins, your Heavenly Father will not forgive you your sins. And that was your reality. Uh, talk about unforgiveness for a moment. Wow. You know, I've studied Matthew 18 so many times because when I came back from hell, it, it's not as clear as it was when I was in hell burning. So, But I, I, I need it to be. I want it to be. And you look at Jesus is giving people, all of Matthew 18 is about unforgiveness. And, and Jesus is, is trying to teach us with a parable. And so a man comes, you know the story, mm-hmm. hey, I owe you a trillion dollars, I mean, English terms, I owe you a trillion dollars. And the good king says to him, you know, he says, be patient with me. And not only is that king patient, but he's so benevolent, he's so kind, he's so forgiving, that what he gave to the man was this gift to make him a part of this kingdom. Here, this is what you really need. You need a forgiving heart. The guy goes out, takes what the king had given him, goes out, never took what the king had offered him forgiveness. And with that, that whole lifestyle and understanding of forgiveness and then goes out and won't forgive his brother 10 bucks. And then he gets called back in. And when the king says to him, how could you do that? It's not about the money. It's about the heart. How could you be forgiven everything and it not take root in you and it not bring life and change in you so that you would go and do the same thing? How can that be? Okay. You're going to get all your sins back. And Jesus said something that I understand now so clear. And so my heavenly father will do to you also if you don't forgive your brother from your heart. Mm. It's absolutely necessary. When, when the maker of heaven and earth made us and forgave us, when you receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, what comes with it is the life and his attitudes, and his ways of life to forgive other people. And if that didn't come with that gift of being forgiven, then you, you're you just like the wicked servant. You didn't take the gifts that God gave you. It's bigger than just a canceling of sin. It's an identity to be like him. And once I understood that, if I'm like God, then I will forgive. And I try. I, I don't know if I'm explaining it. Well. No, that's that's good. And let me tell you something. After you read her brand new book and listen to her CD set, uh, Encountering Heaven, how she 
shares about many other uh, heavenly experiences and the the things that she's learned from them. And I tell you, you're going to want to run to the Lord as fast as you can and get as close to the Lord as you possibly can. Lori, we just have a moment. If you could just pray for the people that are listening, please. Father God, you love us. Help us. Help us, God, be able to come to you to show you the good, the bad, the ugly. Help us, God, to be able to share with you our wants, our needs, our desires, and to lay it all down and pick up who you say we are and the plans and purposes that you have for us that we can truly live triumphant in you. God, we want more of you. Put that deep hunger inside of us for more of you, for more of the Word of God. Put more of you in us, Jesus, that, and give us all visions of heaven that we'll know beyond a doubt are forever home. I ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And you've been listening to Messianic Vision with our guest, Lori Ditto. And now here's Sid to tell you how you can get the special offer. Lori Ditto had supernatural experiences in both heaven and hell and wants you to know what God taught her from these encounters in her brand new book, The Hell Conspiracy, and her exclusive three CD set, Encountering Heaven. Call now for Lori's brand new book, The Hell Conspiracy, and her exclusive three CD set, Encountering Heaven, for an investment of 35 U.S. dollars. To order, call 1-800-447-2697. That's 1-800-447-2697. Or go to our website at sidroth.org. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot O-R-G. Lori Ditto's brand new book, The Hell Conspiracy, which is hell's best-kept secret, and her exclusive three-CD set, Encountering Heaven, offer number 9603 for an investment of 35 U.S. dollars. Be sure to ask for offer number 9603. Once again, that's offer number 9603.